uh, scripture reading is from uh, the entire third chapter of the book of Job. Um, most everyone is acquainted with the life of Job and how this man uh, basically lost everything. Even though he was a righteous man, blameless before God. Uh, his suffering, uh, all of his many, many questions uh, remained somewhat of a mystery at the end of the book. And to this day, it's still considered to be um, kind of a universal commentary on the problem of suffering and pain and how we all long for an answer to the why question, but seldom get an answer to that question. Today, we're taking up the um, topic of depression and, and, and how that relates to suicide. Um, this series, Rescue Me, will deal with some very challenging issues, but, but they are needed um, in the church. That we need to talk about these things and see what hope is offered to us as believers and to the world through Christ. So what I want you to do is just listen quietly. You may want to close your eyes as I read the scripture this morning. Uh, Job is crying out, uh, in his first speech, following the loss of all things. Listen now to God's word. At last Job spoke, and he cursed the day of his birth. He said, Let the day of my birth be erased, and the night I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high, and let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim the day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it, and let the darkness terrify it. Let that night be blotted off the calendar, never again to be counted among the days of the year, never again to appear among the months. Let that night be childless, let it have no joy. Let those who are experts at cursing, whose cursing could rouse Leviathan, curse that day. Let its morning stars remain dark, let, let it hope for light, but in vain may it never see the morning light. Curse the day for failing to shut my mother's womb, for letting me be born to see all this trouble. Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me at her breast? Had I died at birth, I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. I would rest with the world's kings and prime ministers whose great buildings now lie in ruins. I would rest with princes rich in gold whose palaces were filled with silver. Why wasn't I buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lives to see the light? For in death the wicked cause no trouble and the weary are at rest. Even captives are at ease in death with no guards to curse them. Rich and poor are both there, and the slave is free from his master. Oh, why give light to those in misery and life to those who are bitter? They long for death and it won't come. They search for death more eagerly than for hidden treasure. 
They're filled with joy when they finally die and rejoice when they find the grave. Why is life given to those with no future? Those God has surrounded with difficulties. I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come in these remaining moments of this service of worship and help us be attentive to your speaking. Some some of us here today, Lord, are desperate for a word of hope in the midst of our own personal struggles with depression. Others of us have family members and, and loved ones and acquaintances, co-workers who have struggled, who are struggling with depression, and some perhaps who have taken their lives. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Empower us. Fill us with the love of Christ in great abundance. and Help us to be his messengers, to bring hope where there is hopelessness. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have, have you ever felt hopeless? For reasons I don't fully understand, there have been times in my life when I have felt hopeless and have been depressed, even though, even though, I am clearly a man blessed by God. Does this make me inferior? Unfaithful? Unworthy to be a child of God? To be a servant of Jesus? To be, to be the pastor of a church? At one time I thought perhaps it did, but I've since learned that there are good and godly people, there are famous and ordinary people, who have all suffered from depression. President Abraham Lincoln, who arguably is one of the greatest leaders ever in our nation's history, and his wife Mary Todd Lincoln both battled depression their entire lives. Lincoln wrote to a friend these words. He says, I'm the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I do not know. I must die or be better, as it seems to me. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher and writer and reformer and revivalist of the 19th century in England, had to take two to three months off a year to deal with his, quote, depressions of spirit, unquote. More than once, some of the leaders of his church had to come to his house, to the parsonage, put him in a chair, carry him bodily to the church so that he could preach his message to the congregation. Protestant reformer Martin Luther said of his depression, the content of my depressions are always the same, the loss of faith that God is good and that God is good to me. And in the Bible, 
such feelings were not uncommon even among those that, that we have considered heroes of the faith. In Job 3, this deeply spiritual man who feared God, who, who had an impeccable character, who lost his children, his wealth, and his physical health, cries out to God in despair. And, and it, it's hard to hear those words. And for some, it's hard to believe they're even in the pages of Scripture. Finally, in Job 10, verse 18, he says to God, Why didn't you let me die at birth? When Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem, the village was abuzz. Uh, all the other women were excited. And, and yet, and yet, when Naomi saw them in all the celebrations, she says, Don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. And Moses, once so overwhelmed and burned out by the responsibilities of, of leading this great nation out of captivity into the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land, he says to God, if this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and, and spare me this misery. That was Moses talking. King David often prays to God in the Psalms in, in a state of desperation and depression. In Psalm 143, which is printed at the top of your order of worship, he says, Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I will die. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Rescue me. And in 1 Kings 19, after this tremendous victory over evil, Elijah, the great prophet of God, the one who embodied the forerunner, uh, who would prepare the way for the Messiah, the Christ. Elijah, this historic, heroic individual, this great prophet, was very human, like each one of us. He said to the Lord, I've had enough, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my dead ancestors. And we, we can't fully understand or know what Jesus had in his own heart and mind as he died upon the cross, but this we do know. He cried out to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul says of his ministry in Asia, we were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. So where did we come up with this nonsense that Christians can't struggle or be unhappy sometimes? Here are the facts. Depression is the most common Mental health problem in the world today. According to the World Health Organization, 300 million people suffer from it every year. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention says that 25 million adults this year will suffer from, from depression, a serious depression. 
About one in ten Americans are taking antidepressants. Some of us are more declined, uh, more inclined to depression because of our personalities or maybe our family of origin issues and especially our life circumstances. I mean, overwork, uh, aging, physical illness, relationship problems, uh, hormonal and chemical imbalances, life-threatening illnesses, alcoholism, other forms of addiction, conflict around family and work, uh, anxiety and fear, all these things are contributing factors to depression. It affects the young, children, adolescents, adults, as well as the old, the rich and the poor, the educated as well as the illiterate, Christians and non-Christians, pastors and parishioners all suffer depression. A friend of mine who is a counseling psychologist says that depression, this is important, depression is the consequences of being a fragile human being living in a complex world. Therefore, he says, we should not be surprised or ashamed if a family member or, or a friend or even ourselves gets down and feels depressed. Depressed Christians often feel ashamed and guilty because we think depression means we are unspiritual. Depression occurs on a scale ranging from feeling blue, just having a down day, who doesn't have one now and then, to being suicidal. And over 75% of all people who die by suicide suffer from a major depression. And yet depression is a highly treatable mental health issue. 90% or more of people who get help get better. Um, nearly 600,000 persons enter hospitals through the emergency department every year in this country because of self-harm. Uh, either attempting suicide or calling attention to their desperation. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for those that are 15 to 34 years of age in this country. 50,000 people die from suicide in America every year, and, and suicide claims more lives than casualties from the war on terror, murder, and natural disasters combined. It's a fact. Many of us have been taught or have believed that suicide condemns one's soul to, soul to hell because suicide is a sin that cannot be forgiven because of its finality. Once you're dead and gone, you can't ask God to forgive you is the reasoning. And, and that might be true if, if forgiveness were totally dependent upon you and upon me. But surely every person at death has unconfessed sin, right? And there's no way you can be fully in touch with the ways that you have broken God's law, that you have failed to live up to His holy standard. I mean, after all, there are not only sins of commission where we break the rules, we disobey God, there are sins of omission, responsibilities, opportunities that we missed, that we ignored, which also are considered sins. 
Every single day we miss the mark. Every single day we fall short of God's glory. The cleansing of my soul and of your soul and our hope of salvation, including those who are mentally and emotionally ill, rests upon the unchanging grace of Jesus. We just sang, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It has nothing to do with me. Absolutely nothing. Furthermore, in the scriptures, we do not find a direct condemnation of suicide. There are only six suicides even mentioned in the entire Bible. Three of them are people that we generally know. There was Samson in Judges 16, who I was taught as a kid was a hero, right? And then there was King Saul in 1 Samuel 31 and Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. If God is a God of mercy, if God draws near to the weak, to the oppressed, to the brokenhearted, surely God shows mercy to souls so tormented by despair that they take their own lives as a way out of their suffering and pain. And yet for centuries the church did not say much about suicide. And when it finally began to speak up, it stigmatized it. And frankly, what many people believe today and what some pastors preach um, is out of this, I think, wrong-minded approach to this serious form of mental illness. In the 4th century, Augustine taught that suicide was generally unlawful and it was the result of someone having a weak mind. In the 5th century, an early church conclave outright condemned suicide. A century later, the Second Church Council of Orleans ruled that sacrificial offerings made on behalf of those who committed suicide that those had to be refused. They could not be received by the church. Some religious burial rites were denied for those who died by suicide. Late in the 7th century, those who attempted suicide were punished by the church, were excluded from the fellowship of their church for two months at a moment when they no doubt needed the church the most. And during the Middle Ages, it became standard practice for the corpses of those who died by suicide to be desecrated. And bodies of suicide victims as recent as the 18th century were dragged into the streets. Stakes were driven through the hearts of the victims and the bodies were sometimes left unburied at a crossroads for birds and animals to consume them. They were hung on gallows and allowed to rot all because they had mental illness that led them to suicide. So where did we come up with this nonsense? that taking one's life belongs in some horrific class of sin beyond the grace of Jesus. So what can we do? What can we do for ourselves and what can we do for others? 
to correct this understanding of this tragic form of death. First of all, we need to listen to others and to stay in touch with them. You know, somebody that is depressed can be really difficult to live with or to have as a friend. Depressed people can make you depressed, right? And they can. And some of you are nodding your heads. It's true. And I've heard people say, you know, my philosophy of life is only to, to spend time with positive people. And so we have a tendency to write off people who are uh, deeply depressed, sometimes chronically depressed or mentally ill. In fact, a few minutes on a regular basis with someone who, who is uh, struggling with mental illness, listening to them, encouraging them, affirming your unconditional love for them as well as the love of Christ for them can, can literally save a life. Number two, look for practical ways to help. Uh, routine activities for someone who is depressed are often very, very hard. It's not uncommon. I've been in several homes over the last 30 plus years of people who are struggling with depression and their homes are a disaster. Uh, they can't even run a vacuum cleaner or, or wash dishes in a sink. It gets so paralyzing at some point that they don't know what to do next. So sometimes we can be very helpful in stepping in. Uh, some of you have done that for people whose grief has gotten the best of them, who've been overwhelmed and have gotten depressed after the loss of a mate, and you've gone and cleaned their home and, and, and been there to help with the children, etc. Share your story of hope when appropriate. When I announced early this week and, and I think I mentioned it in both services that I was going to be preaching on this topic. I got a, quite a few messages, text messages, email messages, and comments from people. Some people said, I don't know if I can be there Sunday. I don't know if I can stand it. Uh, a wife in our church whose husband uh, took his life uh, just a few years back said, I, I don't think I can bear it. Um, I had others say, it's just, I, I know I'll cry my way through the sermon. I'm sorry, I can't be there. Uh, but, but several people have said to me, I struggled with depression for years. Um, I had a couple of people tell me I got, came so close to taking my life through suicide, but I didn't. And one person sent me a text and she said, this church saved me in a moment of deep despair and depression. You and Andrew and others in this church who reached out to me and loved me and came alongside me, you saved, literally saved my life. My, I made my profession in Jesus. I was baptized at Georgetown first because people cared for me and shared a story of hope with me. Number five, pursue psychiatric care and or counseling if depression persists. Um, this friend of mine who's the psychologist, who has also been my counselor, uh, he says that, that though medications can literally save someone's life who is severely depressed, uh, overcome by anxiety, who is contemplating suicide, we should not depend solely on drugs to get us through because the drugs don't deal with the underlying issues. That's where we need the help of a pastor or a professional counselor. Number six, pray consistently for yourself and for others. Keep 
talking to God even when it gets ugly and angry. I'm telling you, he can handle it. He can handle it, can he? Can God handle your anger, your upset, this darkness that's inside of you? Yes, the, the, the thing we must do, we need to do when we find ourselves in these dark places of despair is to bring all that out into the light of God's love and understanding and compassion. And sometimes it takes the help of another person to help us with that. But that is so important. God is not going to kick you around or judge you or hurt you because you're honest with him. I will say it till the day I die. I believe with all of my heart that God is with us and God is for us. Even when it seems no one else is with us or for us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a depressed sinner. That's another good prayer to pray. And finally... Stop passing judgment on depressed and suicidal persons. Um, human beings universally need God. We live in a broken, complicated, suffering world. And to show us how much God loves us, He became one of us and He suffered for us on His cross. The overwhelming hope of Christians is that God in Christ conquered depression, conquered death, even conquered suicide. The cross of Calvary and the empty tomb are our one and only hope, people. And that will always be true after all of us are dead and gone. No matter how deep the pit into which you have descended, never, ever forget God is with you. God is for you. Let that be your confession of faith every single day of your life. From the moment you open your eyes until you go to bed at night. Being depressed does not make you less Christian. It does not make you less loved by God and certainly by your pastor. It just makes you human. Lord, we, we pray for your grace to abound in the lives of those who struggle with the darkness. We thank you that in the mystery of your ways that you choose people who are frail and weak. People who who even get depressed and angry and upset. You choose those kinds of people to do your work. And Lord, I've never been able to figure that out completely. But I'm so grateful that I'm one of them. And I know there are people in this, in this congregation this morning that fail self-condemnation because they can't be happy and, and uh, cheerful all the time. Who struggle just to get through a day, a week, a month, or a year, sometimes years and years. And I pray for those people, especially, Lord, that they will not lose hope, that they will turn their eyes upon Jesus, um, the suffering servant who allowed himself to be crucified upon a cross for all of our weakness, all of our all of our sins, all of our fears, and, and yes, all of our depressions. Come, Holy Spirit, come. 
renew our hopes in God, in you, O Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.